time for This Week in Moab. I'm Christy Williams-Dunton, your host for today, and I am very excited to be bringing you uh, some of the things that are happening literally this week in Moab. It's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking about the land that we share. We're going to be talking about some of the harvest of the fruits of the land that we share. So here it is. The Bureau of Land Management is accepting comments on a draft travel management plan for the iconic Labyrinth Canyon area outside of Moab. And it's a plan that will determine where off-road vehicle use, or ORV, is allowed in this landscape for decades to come. Comments are due by October the 7th. It's coming up sooner than we think. Uh, The BLM, in fact, is going to host a virtual public meeting this week, Thursday on the 22nd at 5 p.m. And the meeting is going to include a presentation about the travel management area, overview of the alternatives, and a bit of a demo about how to provide written comments, which will be super helpful, because they like it a certain way. They like it to be specific, sometimes scientific. There will also be an opportunity to ask questions. They won't accept verbal comments. You'll have to actually write them down. And you can find out more information, but, you know, It's an environmental assessment for the travel management plan that analyzes what types of vehicles can access which roads and explores some seasonal restrictions within the travel management area. Uh, To give us an overview, then, of a couple of these different perspectives around the plan, we have none other than Benjamin Burr of the Blue Ribbon Coalition and Kaya Marienfeld of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Ben is a former Senate staffer turned software business owner. He's also a consultant, a writer, a homesteader, a non-profiteer, and now leads the Blue Ribbon Coalition. Um, Just for your background, the Blue Ribbon Coalition, or BRC, is a national recreation group that champions responsible use of public and private lands and encourages individual environmental stewardship. Uh, They do have members in all 50 states. They are focused on building enthusiast involvement with organizational efforts through uh, membership, outreach, education, collaboration among recreationists and if we're lucky i do believe we have ben on the phone with us right now are you there ben i'm here thanks for having me thank you so much for taking some time with us today you know it's a big topic for a big land and we only have but a little time so i just wanted to get the brief from you uh to ask about uh the coalition's Uh, sort of overall mission and how it views these various draft options with this uh, travel management plan up in that area. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So we've kept a close eye on this plan through all of the phases of its progress with the BLM. And we, we were waiting for this to come out. Our organization is generally going to be supportive of any version of these plans which allows for the most public access into the area for all forms of recreation. Uh, There's always a focus on motorized recreation in these plans, but a lot of times we see the motorized recreation as just a means to the end of all the other forms of recreation that people are there to enjoy. 
And so we are looking carefully at all of the potential proposed route closures. We have different alternatives of this plan before us. Uh, the most restrictive would close up to five, almost 500 miles of some of the most iconic and popular trails in the world. And we have strong concerns about that. But we also believe this is a good opportunity to, to address some of the pressures and burdens that are brought into the Moab community through its popular outdoor recreation economy that's just exploded in growth in the previous years. And so we want to see the BLM develop a, what we would call a recreation alternative that finds ways to expand and enhance recreation access in this area through active management instead of closure. Mm. And, you know, I was reading on the BLM site and doing a little bit of looking at those various options. Uh, the BLM says that the management plant is intended to analyze the utility and usefulness of the existing routes, but not to limit access to the area, uh, that the routes are being analyzed for visitor needs, impacts, natural, cultural resources, other values. Uh, so do I misunderstand? They're saying they will not limit access to the area, and you're saying actually uh, in the coalition's view that there will be limit? Do I understand? Yeah, if, if they end up closing 500 miles of routes, that will limit access into the area definitely. I mean, we've gone and looked this last weekend at several of the route closures that are being proposed, and a good example is there's several dispersed campsites that are down off of the White Rim Road that overlook Mineral Canyon. Those are currently designated sites. They have signs, the BLM's gone out there and developed that as a dispersed camping area, and if they, even in Alternative C, which is kind of the compromise alternative, they could close a lot of those dispersed campsites. And so if you're somebody who wants to disperse camp in this area, if they close all the routes that lead to the dispersed sites, you are going to see a loss of access to that area. And so we would be encouraging all the dispersed camping users to identify those routes that are pros, pros for closure. And if those lead to your spot, you do need to come into the BLM and let them know that that route does have an important purpose and need that needs to be evaluated along with all the other concerns you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I thank you so much for that. You know, you were oh so correct that motorized use uh, is so much on the increase, uh, to use your word, exploded, right? And so we could say there's impact there. Uh, I was looking at the coalition's mission also, you know, I, I read with interest that it encourages individual environmental stewardship. And so I'm wondering, as a group, what are you seeing? You know, how, how do you speak about the impacts of motorized use as a whole with individual environmental stewardship as your mission? How's that working? I think it's going well. Like, I spent the whole weekend out in this area, and even though, as I said, the whole outdoor recreation economy has exploded in growth, I still felt like I was the only one out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we encountered a few other users, but it was one of them was a, a gentleman with his backcountry airplane who had landed at the Mineral Bottom Airstrip. Uh, another was a group, a, a couple camping with a minivan. Uh, we were out there in side-by-sides. We ran into a few other, one other group of a Jeep with side-by-sides. 
it was a wide range of users, but they were spread out. The the scourge of just so many people out there all at once, I didn't see it. It's an anecdotal example of one weekend. And I think that this area, more than many other areas where I've done field work, there was a lot of signage, a lot of active management, barriers, and they were working. And we were starting to see the areas that were reclaiming. Most of this landscape in this travel management area remains untouched by any form of human use. And having this route system in there, I just don't think that the environmental impacts are as great as what is being alleged in some cases. I think the current route system is manageable. And so we have four different options, A through D. Uh, How would you describe them? A is uh, very little change, most access. How how would you? Well, so A is the current management, and this is how the BLM is currently managing it. And as I just said, I think the current route system is manageable. They almost never choose alternative A in these processes. Um, Alternative B was required by the legal settlement that we're in to even do the a new version of this travel management plan. Um, back in 2008, we already lost about 700 miles of routes in the Moab field office through the resource management plan process. And through a legal settlement, we now have to redo many of the travel management plans across Utah. The, the legal settlement required the BLM to come up with what they call a conservation alternative. And that usually always results in the most amount of closures. And so we really don't like alternative B. I think there's just far too many routes being closed in that alternative. Um, I'm going to skip to D because that's what they call the OHB alternative. And that alternative we still have problems with. There's still a few closures there. And we'll still have to look really close at the routes that are being closed in D. But that tends to be the alternative we support. And alternative C is generally a compromise between those two. And that's what the BLM's likely to choose. I know Nicole Gaddis Wyatt chose alternative C in the um, Canyon Rims plan that's down in San Juan County. Um, and so, if that gives us any hint into her mindset of how they approach these, that's probably what they'll choose. So, we're taking a really hard look at alternative C to make sure there's nothing being closed there that we would be really bothered by. And there are many named routes. I believe one-third of the Jeep Safari routes are potentially closed in Alternative C. And so there are some significant closures even in what's considered the compromise alternative. And so I've online, I've seen a lot of the off-road groups are fired up about this. I suspect the BLM's already hearing a lot from this community. And we're going to be heavily involved in any process that follows this public comment period to ensure that if they do choose alternative C, it doesn't close any routes that would just be unacceptable to the off-road and outdoor recreation community. I appreciate that. Uh, As a user group, as a user block, you know, uh, I'm also very, uh, I guess, moved by the complexity of BLM's multiple-use mission. Um, It's 245 million acres of public land over 12 western states. We know that here in Grand County, it the public land is the vast majority of it. The BLM administers uh, 
a mission to sustain the health, diversity, productivity of America's public lands for the use and enjoyment of present and future generations. And I think about uh, how complex that is. Specifically, well, I'll just share with you personally, you know, silence is one of those uses for me. It really helps me with my mental health. And so uh, I think about these uses that seem to be uh, not fully compatible. Do you, uh, how do you, how do you think about that with future generations? Does the coalition uh, take up the scope of beyond our time? Absolutely. I think most of our members support us because they want their kids and grandkids to be able to go have the same outdoor recreation experience as they had. I hear that all the time. And everybody has different values of what they want out of their outdoor recreation experience. And I respect that you go there for the silence and the solitude. A lot of times that's why I'm going out there. Mm -hmm. I'm almost always able to find it. And in the Moab area, you do have several national parks. Uh, You have a huge national monument to your south. You have wilderness areas, wilderness study areas. There is a lot of protected landscape in that Moab area where a lot of these motorized uses are already heavily restricted. This Labyrinth Rim Gemini Bridges area has been almost the playground for this multiple use type of recreation and that's why we see so many different users out there and and so it it is a difficult challenge for the BLM to manage that we always want to see them try any kind of a management solution over a closure Um, but we also recognize the truth you pointed out which is there are a lot of users out there a lot of uses of the land and those need to be addressed through this process Mm. I appreciate you speaking on behalf of the coalition and uh, of of the use itself that uh, of the recreationists, Ben Burr. Hey, is this Burr of of Utah fame? Does this go? I I can't help but ask. Are you Benjamin Burr? Uh, is there a family line that refers to Burr Trail? Uh, there absolutely is. The Burr Trail was created by my ancestors. Uh, it was John Atlantic Burr was one of my, I think my sixth generation great-grandpa. And he settled Burrville, which is by Kusharam. Uh, and they would trail cows down the Burr Trail into the Burr Desert. And eventually they ended up over in your area, in the Four Corners. They, uh, he's buried in Monticello. My grandpa grew up in Moab. Mm. And interesting, like he actually met my grandma there, who was the daughter of Rosemary Reed, who was a big swimsuit designer in the 60s. <laughs> and it was kind of this weird, interesting story of this backwoodsy rural guy that started a helicopter business, of all things. Wow. Marrying a swimsuit designer's daughter, and it was. And they moved out of Moab after that, but my roots are deep in Moab for sure. I appreciate you. Uh diving in a little bit with me there Ben I'm going to have to say uh, farewell for now and um, looking forward to this meeting on the 22nd thank you for your time yeah thanks for having me Mm -hmm. it is 518 and I want to give as much time if we can to Kaya 
Marienfeld. Oh, hi. Thank you for showing up today. Wow. Okay, so. Hello. Hi. <laughs> thank you for coming up. Real quick, the, um, the mission of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance is, uh, can you rip it from yeah, the top? Can absolutely. You? Fantastic. Our mission is essentially protecting um, wild values on the Colorado Plateau uh, here in Utah. We are the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, but it's definitely not only Southern Utah. There's qualifying wilderness um, all over the state, and uh, it, it still tends to be pretty concentrated down here in the southern and southeastern parts. So Moab, where I live um, and have lived for quite a long time now, has been uh, a big part of that and is certainly the heart of our wilderness proposal. And we have members, over 14,000 members, um, in all 50 states as well and all over the world you know these landscapes are places that people love and respect um, and hold dear even if they uh, honestly have never been um, but most of them have and a lot of them live here locally myself included uh, I'm one of our staff down here in Moab so hopefully providing the the backyard perspective too on this travel management area because it's an area that I go to on an extremely regular basis because it's 20 minutes from my house so yes and I know you only have just a few minutes to say some things that really maybe there's a bit of a response to some of the commentary from Ben Burr or perhaps you would just like to say from your perspective here's yeah. what's going on with these alternatives maybe I'll start with that I think um you know I certainly understand as Mr. Burr was saying that the idea that we want to provide great recreational experiences for everybody on this landscape and I think that's really where the perspective of you know what is um in the current draft uh NEPA document um, alternative B, which is the one with the least amount of routes on the on the ground at the end of the day, um, is is literally just to provide that balanced recreation perspective, that usage where you can say you might be a jeeper, you might be an uh, OHV, or you might just enjoy getting out there in your van and camping, or taking your family out hiking, or um, you know, slacklining, uh, base jumping, all of the things that people like to do in this area. And it's saying that it is, it is not good long-term management to have one use dominate over all of the other uses. And, and quite honestly, Christy, that's really the, the, the starting place of this plan. What's out on the ground right now um, wasn't so much something that was planned or some sort of planned um, uh, recreation route system where everything on the ground goes to one thing specifically or uh, there's really high value camping in this area and that's why there's a route there a lot of what is the existing on the ground travel network is just a coincidence based on what were historic routes used for mineral exploration and mm -hmm. seismic lines um, and so if you look at a map you know you can see one here this is very close to what's on the ground now it really is a lot of little lines parallel all going to the same place running off little spurs things like that so i do think it's you know fairly disingenuous to say that there is this extreme amount of mileage closures that's all really high value motorized recreation area and i think the idea of compromise is really important in this because you still even under the the conservation alternative alternative b you still have 80 percent of this entire travel management area that's within a half a mile of a motorized route um, and as you know as anyone in moab knows noise from motorized vehicles carries well a half a mile um so you know you can be in 80 percent of this area either even under the most um uh 
route minimized alternative in this potential plan process and still be that close to a motorized route. So, I mean, and that, I would say 80% within half a mile of a motorized route is is far from overly restrictive. If anything, it still trends heavily in the direction of motorized use in this area. You know, as Mr. Burr was pointing out, this is a high value area for a lot of motorized recreation. There's Jeep Safari routes out here. There's a lot of um, people come here to use this area, but they also come to use it for other reasons. And I think having a small, small reduction at the end of the day in the number of routes that are very specific reductions, mind you, it's not just oh, we'll go this route, we'll do this. It's some serious resource conflicts. You know, the routes that really are the ones that I think um, folks like Mr. Bird take umbrage with closures on um, are closed because they have, uh, or potentially closed, excuse me, and the alternative are closed because they have some really significant resource conflicts, particularly with riparian areas and particularly with the Labyrinth Canyon uh, Green River Corridor, which, as you know, since 2019 has been designated wilderness on the other side of the river throughout this whole area. You know, you have users who are boaters who come to have a wilderness backcountry experience um, when now there are motorized routes that go down to the river corridor from up on some of these um, plateaus. And there are other concerns, too. You know, there are um, a significant uh, array of cultural resources in the area too, archaeological sites, traditional use sites um, with you know the ancestral landscape that we know that the Moab area is. And there are those conflicts too that are taken into account, I think, with the very specific routes that um, have some sort of resource conflict, whether it's a user conflict with, with quiet use, like boating on the Green River, um, or like camping in the canyon bottoms, a quiet use for wildlife. You know, this whole area, mineral, spring, hell-roaring, and 10-mile canyons are all the heart of habitat for desert bighorn sheep. The with, lambing grounds. Exactly, and, the mm-hmm. lambing grounds, the breeding grounds, um, and are an incredibly valuable habitat that honestly at this point with, with climate change, with all of the development pressure and recreation pressure other places are irreplaceable to this species. And this is the heart of that species. When they take... Um, they take and try to expand desert bighorn sheep in other areas. This herd in those canyon bottoms are the, the herd that they, they sort of use as the gene pool for everything else. It's incredibly important. And, and there have been other historic um, management actions, honestly, just recently to protect that herd of desert bighorn sheep and other wildlife in the area. Um, on other user groups, there, there are recent uh, management actions in the last couple years with the Bureau of Land Management determined that pressure from uh, roped and aerial activities like climbing, slacklining, um, highlining, things like that on some of the canyon rims and in some of the canyon bottoms were having too much pressure um, and stress on some of the wildlife in the area. And so there are either um, straight closures in certain spots or seasonal closures on some of those uses to protect the wildlife. So I certainly think saying you know, this route that goes down the middle of a bottom of a canyon that goes down to the Green River, being close to motorized use to protect that same wildlife is certainly in conformance with that same sort of idea of protecting that resource. And when we think about multiple use, I'm thinking about not just the complexity of having to manage that. uh, BLM also says they're short-staffed. They can't just go picking up everybody's trash. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But it's the... (laughs) The users that aren't even human, not exactly. It's it's uh, all the sage, 
all the so does the BLM go through in these scoping and comment periods with their overview talk about those flora and fauna as users or they are you know in the NEPA process they are resources and issues that need to be considered when they're um, undergoing the decision-making process, you know, under the National Environmental Policy Act, you, it will say, you know, the agency has to take a hard look at impacts to these various resources. One could be wildlife habitat, bighorn sheep habitat, probably raptors as well. And this area would be another species of concern. There's Mexican spotted owl, um, a lot of raptor breeding population on the cliff edges and in some of the canyons. Um, and those are resources that they have to take into account and take a hard look at the impacts of all of these alternatives and talk about what impacts each alternative separately might have on those resources. And quiet can be one of them. Visual resources is another one that's, I think, implicated here. There's um, some of the networks of, of, of routes that have either been punched in illegally in a lot of these areas because... Um, someone will drive a designated route that's open and then keep going um, past that if it's not clear or they just don't care. Um, I think that's certainly a very small percentage of users, but that is a concern. And you can actually see down from the Green River now sort of a spider network of some illegal routes that have started to creep their way down to the river from some of these these mm-hmm. um, overlook points. And then, you know, creative folks can can find their way down, particularly with motorbikes. So And it's very easily done both with bikes and OHV and uh, so yeah of of big concern and I think that you know we have uh, a road network that worked well or didn't have major concerns 20 years ago Um, but with how everything has changed it really it has just changed the game you know you have a road we need a road network that works now and into the future and I really believe that's what the agency is aiming to do and I think that Certainly alternative B gets us as close as we can to that of the presented alternatives um, while still being, as I said, extremely favorable to motorized users and motorized access. You can get very close in a motorized vehicle or right up to almost anywhere you want to go in this whole area while still leaving those little opportunities to have genuine great other recreational experiences, which I think is really the purview of the agencies to balance those uses. Um, and again, balance harm to the resources too, which is obviously a huge concern here. To which we say, great good luck. Yes. And <laughs> it will take uh, rather a balanced and engaged set of inputs for the BLM to do their best job. Therefore, I'm sure that Kaya would also say, along with Christy and Ben, to get to that meeting. Yes. What else do you want to say? I know there's a little bit of time. You only have a bit. Um, just take the floor. There, there are other concerns. Oh, goodness. I mean, I think just pointing out that, you know, I know Mr. Burr mentioned that there were some closures of, of what have traditionally been used as Jeep safari routes. And, you know, I'm a Moabite. I understand how big of a deal and a fun thing that Jeep safari is for the community and for visitors. But just understanding that it wasn't just, oh, we're just going to cut some Jeep safari routes. It was these are routes that are in riparian corridors. And as you might know, you know, riparian areas are disproportionately important habitats in dry land ecosystems like we have here. You know, they account for a super small percentage of the land base, but they're the most productive lands to provide for fish and wildlife habitat, water supply. And they also tend to be the areas where 
of course, because our ancestors were very smart and understood the landscape, you have a really high concentration of cultural and historic sites too. So choosing to protect um, through closures, through motorized closures, um, some of those routes that go through riparian areas, um, I think is a very diligent and and smart long-term management thing, especially as we're seeing um, riparian corridors across the West without uh, motorized pressure or development pressure just dry up mm-hmm. um, in the first place. So protecting those that we still do have, I think, is extremely important. And those are the routes that, you know, that that have been marked as potential closures in Alternative B are the, are the ones that have those kinds of resource conflicts. Thank you so much. If people want to go find more information about the maps, of course, the BLM's uh, e-planning website is where you probably want to go you can just google gemini bridges blm and it'll probably get you to the spot you just go looking if you want to find out more about the history of the i'm sure that sua played a part in the legislative process that brought the blm to this choice where do they go um, honestly, if you go to SUA.org, uh, S-U-W-A.org, um, from there, it should be one of the main options on our on our homepage right now, including uh, information about how to comment on the process, and then um, some information about uh, the alternatives, the history of travel planning in this area, et cetera, just like you said. Thank you for taking some time. Thank you, Is Christy. there anything else that you wanted to add? Any sort of a weekly message? Hope and peace? Oh, anything? goodness. Hope and peace always. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Why, thanks for being who you are. And thank you, dear listener, for keeping it real, keeping it tuned to KZMU 90.1, 106.7 FM. And uh, we're going to have Jesse from the Youth Garden Project talking about the Harvest Festival Hangout. Jesse, thank you for coming up today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It's so nice to meet you. Reach across, shake my hand. <laughs> nice thank to you. Thank you for yeah. doing your work with YGP. What an organization, huh? Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful place to be. Lots of special things happening all the time. So. And yeah. where? how long have you been in the position? So I recently started this position, actually, in 2022. Um, however, beforehand, I was in AmeriCorps. So I served in AmeriCorps year as the garden-based curriculum specialist starting in fall of 2020. So. It is the superb throughput. Thank you, AmeriCorps <laughs> Vista. And uh, what's your full name then, Jesse? Uh, Jesse Shelby. See how it goes in Moab. It's just like, oh, Jesse. Jesse will be up. <laughs> And uh, so welcome to the position and thanks for hanging out from, you know, your initial uh, your initial visit through AmeriCorps Vista. And as the director of YGP, you have inherited such a legacy of beauty. So much has happened, though, this year with the flood. Everybody's super sad about the nibble garden and uh, the beauty that things life itself grows back. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're moved by that. You're having a harvest festival anyway. T- give us yeah. the update. Tell us all about it. Yeah, absolutely. So just want to clarify first, I am the Outreach and Development Coordinator. Um, Emily Robertson is our Executive Director who also um, started her position this past winter. So Outreach um, Director. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yes, we have our Harvest Thank Festival you. coming up um, this Saturday, the 24th, from 3 to 7 p.m. Um, we're super excited about it. Uh, again, kind of like what you said with the flooding happening, um, we're just really highlighting resiliency with this 
and um, getting the community back together. And um, it's been a really wild few years. So to have an event where everyone can kind of come out, it's a free event for all ages. Uh, we just want to celebrate community and food and um, music and all of these fun things that Moab has to offer. Um, so yeah, we'll have live music. We have two bands coming out. Um, we have a lot of garden fresh food that we'll be serving. Uh, we have kombucha donated by Wild Bloom that we're excited about, some YGP mason jars, um, and lots of activities, lots of things for kids to get involved in. Of course, all of our animals are always there to hang out with. Um, and just to kind of see the garden at this time of year towards the end of the season and um, the abundance that we've been able to, to keep up with this year. Well, so. uh, let's let's go back to a couple of those points and slow yeah. it down and mm -hmm. like get get our appetites all uh whetted you're talking about good food what kind of good food so a couple things <laughs> we are going to have um garden burgers so uh, sarah who is our produce manager is an extremely talented chef um so she is going to be making some great varieties of burgers we have a vegan option um, we're using colorado river beans which we're excited about um so a lot of those Burgers will be there. We aren't doing um, pizzas this year. We're switching it up a little bit. Um, and then we'll also have some mini apple pies um, using local apples. Um, and then lots of snacks, popcorn, uh, different things to, to snack on. Mm, you have um, done the trick. Mm, yes, <laughs> you have done the trick. That sounds great. Yeah, it should and, be really and tasty. And apples are already uh, coming on, are they? They are, yeah. So we don't have a ton in our orchard, unfortunately. This has been um, a tricky year for fruit in Moab. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're sourcing from Moonflower. Um, very generously donated some apples for us to use um, that are sourced regionally. So, um, yeah, going to have some fresh produce. We're using all of our garden veggies in the burgers, um, which we're excited about. Kind of, uh, yeah, everything that has been growing this time of year will get incorporated into that somehow. Um, and yeah trying to keep yum. it the food within our our space in Moab in the larger region. Keeping so. the yum local. <laughs> exactly. And uh, speaking of. Yum. We have audio yum. You said two bands. Yes. Yeah. So we have um, the Beck Brothers are a Salt Lake based band coming down. Um, and then the Violet Pines, who are based in Grand Junction. Um, both will be out playing 90 minute sets. Um, and we also have three sisters, actually, who are still deciding on their band name, but they are local um, in elementary school, and they are going to play about 20 minutes of bluegrass, which will be really wait, sweet. Wait. They are in elementary school? Yes, yeah. They have attended um, bluegrass camp in the past um, elsewhere in the region um, and are super excited oh. to, to play some songs for us. So, um, yeah, oh. we're stoked to have them out. I'm <laughs> done. That's so great. Yeah. All right, and it's going to be at Youth Garden Project. It is, yep. Mm -hmm. And again, when? Uh, 3 to 7 p.m. on Saturday, the 24th. Um, you can park at the school or biking is encouraged. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's really too bad that I have my own gig that's happening that day. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, let's see, 3 o'clock, maybe I could um, pop in a little bit early. And, yeah, um, swing by for a little bit. Take a bite of it delicious apple <laughs> exactly and uh, to celebrate the youth okay so it's all been talking about various organizations mission statements mm -hmm. so far on this week in moab today um pop quiz can you do ygp mission yes <laughs> oh, yeah. uh yeah so the youth garden project's mission is to cultivate healthy children families and community through educational programming and connecting people with food from seed to table um, yeah, so mm -hmm. basically growing food, kids, and community in Moab is our shortened version. <laughs> that takes in the whole life cycle. 
Yeah. It's a very, very big mission. Absolutely. And we're in our 26th year now, so um, keeping it alive. And it's been very cool to see generations of kids who uh, started as summer campers, elementary school kids, and have gone all the way through, through Thanks, high school. Sarah Heffron. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Definitely. Wonderful. What else do we want to say about what's happening? Uh, is there anything more throughout the remainder of the year? Do we still have yeah. farmers markets? We do. Around? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we are still at the arts and ag market. We have two more markets, the first and the third Thursday of October. Um, on October 20th, we'll be doing another one of our uh, picnics in the park that we started this year and are super excited about. So uh, those are basically baskets that you can pre-order. Um, they're perfect for sharing. We have a variety of uh, snacks and tasty treats that are in them uh, that are all using our garden produce as well. All proceeds benefit our mission. Um, and you can pre-order it the week before. We'll pick it up at the market between five and seven. And then you can just enjoy a nice picnic basket with friends, family in the park, uh, just to kind of, again, create that community around food and get people to the park and to the market. And it's such a lovely event. And uh, yeah, we just want to see lots of folks out there. There's something profound about uh, what we call breaking bread, but um, mm -hmm. sharing, sharing nourishment together. Absolutely. What uh, is, if you could pluck from your beautiful memory basket uh, the the most fully nourishing meal heart and soul and that you have ever had oh that's a great question was it was it a hot date was it a big old thanksgiving <laughs> yeah was it just you and some hot tomato <laughs> on the vine I mean, I've definitely had a lot of those types of meals in Moab. Uh, when I first moved to town, the gals who I was living with were also working at the Youth Garden, and uh, we would have community meal Wednesdays where we would just Aww. always cook a different uh, kind of not genre, but <laughs> type of meal mm -hmm. uh, together and, again, kind of celebrate that um, community focused on food. And, uh, yeah, so I think that that was something that I really prioritized in life, moving here and working for the Youth Garden, um, but also something growing up. My family, uh, one that comes to mind is eating pumpkin waffles every Christmas morning. My mom would make that. And, pumpkin uh, Yeah, yeah, kind of a, a weird one, but... Um, no, not, <laughs> not anymore. People are just uh, pumpkin spicing up uh, their, yeah. you know... Telephones, you have no idea. Exactly. Um, the that's beautiful. Where where did this take place? Uh, that was in East Coast. Yeah, grew up East Coast. Um, so yeah, it was a recipe from from my preschool actually. So. Like a big city, little uh, Virginia, Virginia. Yeah, mm -hmm. pumpkin waffles. Okay, uh, I'm gonna be looking for that recipe. Yes. What's your mom's name? Kathy. Kathy. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything that <laughs> you have done to bring this nourished, beautiful person oh. into the studio today, Mama. <laughs> Thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Great. And then uh, if you do have further information, I think I can even remember the number 259-BEAN. Yes, exactly. Which is 2326? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, now we have to say 435-259-2326. Exactly. But uh, long-time locals will know. Definitely. Thank you. Awesome. Jessie. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. See you this weekend. Yeah.
And that's about it for this week in Moab. For me, your host, Christy Williams-Dunton, today, you've been listening to listener-supported community radio. Wouldn't be here without your support, financial and otherwise. And we sure thank you, our listeners. You can learn more about ways to support grassroots community radio in Moab, Utah, at kzmu.org. It's live, local media. Our mission is to engage, inform, entertain, empower, and connect the communities of southeastern Utah. 